chapter 6, if you would. Praise God. Matthew chapter 6. I appreciate Melissa downloading my notes and <laughs> ministering the message this morning, but um, she, uh, she missed one or two little nuggets, and I'll, I'll cover those, and then I'll sit down. Hallelujah. Good word. So I, I want to minister on discovering the harvest in your seed. And I want us to all just for a moment take note that what men do everywhere, what, what they get up, they go to work, they take care of business, they raise their kids, they take out the trash and feed the dog and all that. But really, what, what are most people thinking about? What's, what's the headline that all of this stuff that people do with their life, what is it really towards? What's the object? And I, I guess you'd have to say that men are constantly thinking about provision and supply. If you go into other cultures in the Far East and Africa and other places, every day they get up and go to the market because there's no refrigeration or whatever, and they go to the market every day, every day. And then you have peoples that go out, primitive peoples that go out and hunt every day. And if they don't do well, they, they don't do well. Every day they, they go out. And so really, in a part, all of us have been involved in a culture where man is thinking about provision and supply, either to survive or to succeed, survive or succeed. Because, you know, you, you and I could go a long time without going to work uh, for money. So I want to look in Matthew chapter six and see what the word says about it. You won't be surprised, but I believe the Lord's going to impact us this morning about what we really are about based on culture, based on just what everybody's doing, what we're raised to do, what we're schooled to do, what we no, we must do. It's a part of our culture. But culture wouldn't necessarily be the kingdom of God. Could I have a better amen? Okay, I'll say it again. Culture would not necessarily be the mandate of the kingdom of God. It might be different. It might be that what we're doing in the world as heathens and Gentiles and the pagan and all that might not be God's plan at all, but we're just used to it. It says in verse 31, the Lord Jesus said, therefore, so the therefore is following all those verses that says that you can't serve God and mammon at the same time. You'll hate the one and love the other. Therefore, take no thought, verse 31, saying, what would, we, what would our thoughts be saying? What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? And then verse 32 says four. So it's a rebuttal. There's a question asked. Take no thought. Well, why? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. So I looked that up in other versions. And the Amplified says the heathen. Say heathen. heathen. Come on, let's say it. Heathen. Here's what the heathen do. And we must always be estranged from and separated from the heathen. We are not the heathen. We were, but we are changed. But it says the heathen wish for and crave and diligently seek all these things. The heathen. 
the heathen get up every day and go look and make it their life? How many decisions have y'all made, I've made, based on a job? Like, well, that's where, the, that's where my job is. That's where my money is. And completely discounted all the things that it would cost you to get that job that might take away from all the attributes of that job. The New Living says, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. We should not be in that category. We should not be in that category, that thoughts of what shall we wear, what shall we eat, wherewithal shall we be clothed. We should not be dominated. Y'all feel that? The Moffat says pagans. Ooh, that's 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 throwing us way over into the fire. Pagans make all that their aim in life. Pagans. Oh, my. Devil worshipers. I mean, if you're not Jesus said they're of their father, the devil. So if you're not fathered from refathered from above. By default, pagans. The Knox translation says it is for the heathen to busy themselves over such things. This is what they do. This is what they think about. This is what they project as my future. It's not even like, well, we're going to get enough for today and then we're going to change our lives. No, that we're, we're laying down bricks for a road that will go into a job or a career or a, a safety place or a place of retirement or provision or or whatever that's what my, that's the whole thought and then on the little side of that we'll have a picnic here and we'll go to school there and we'll go, you know but the main event is I got to make money for what shall I eat what shall I drink and wherewithal shall I be clothed the passion says for that is what the unbelievers chase after I was rather convicted by all of this when the Lord gave me this scripture. That's what the unbelievers chase after. So if we have ever, or if you are involved in any way, I think the Holy Ghost is saying, quit it. If you're chasing or wondering or worrying or making decisions based on work or supply or survival or success. And then he goes on there. But so my question that I wrote down is, is there any difference between the pagan and the man and woman of faith? There ought to be. We should not think like they think. We used to think because we were pagans, unbelievers, the heathen. We used to think that way. Yes. But I've been changed. I've been changed. And heaven has dominated the old man, the old culture, the old way of thinking. What shall he eat? What shall you drink? And what shall you wear and put on? So you'd have to say of Christians, if this is the way they think, they think like unbelievers, then you'd have to say, does the word that our father gave us make any difference in our everyday life? And if it doesn't, why doesn't it? In other words, we would just say we've just tacked on the kingdom onto who we were in the world. We just tacked it on, said, OK, now I'm a Christian. We're nicer than we used to be. And we're 
We're, we're forgiving them more than we used to be, and we go to church more than we used to go. Just an add-on, a, an accessory, versus our actual way of life. Lost my place here. Okay, so verse 33, let's go to verse 33, because he's, he's laying into us there. In verse 32, he said, After all these things do the Gentiles seek. One time I found this word seek. I, f- I haven't been able to find it since. But the word was rendered scrounge. Y'all ever heard the word scrounge? And you get, you know, that would be what a, 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 a dog or a cat that's on the loose, that's not domesticated, doesn't, they're, they're looking for something to eat. They're in a scrounge. For your heavenly father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. And then verse 33 says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. So here's the answer. Here's the change. Here's the resolution to the pagans, the heathens, the unbelievers, the Gentiles. Here's the answer. This is how we should think. And if we found ourselves not thinking this way, we would say that we're living in a culture that's based on fear of not having enough. Uh, folks that, that, like my folks and other people, their main concern, if you listen to them any time at all, they live just exactly like someone that was just starting out and had four kids and a mortgage and a car payment and, and uh, school loans and, and, uh, and uh, a TV payment, they live just like them because they're afraid, they're afraid, they're in fear, they would ha- not have enough. That something would come and they wouldn't have enough and they wouldn't be able to recover by going to work because of their age, their condition. Y'all know those people? They're afraid that they wouldn't be able to go and get a job and replace it versus when they were young it's like, well, if I get fired, I'll just go find another job or I'll, you know, or I'll get promoted to this one and it'll get better. And the Lord Jesus is making a big deal about this. So if it's a big deal to him, maybe it should be a big deal to us of how we think. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, that's how it is. And it won't go past. It won't go beyond. It won't go around how you and I think. And so if we may be may say Christian things. We may say, uh, I love the Lord and I just want to be everything he wants me to be. But then we revert as soon as we make that proclamation back to how we really are inside, which would be unchanged from a lifetime of living as Gentiles, heathens, unbelievers, and pagans. That word pagan is (laughs) yucky. (laughs) So he said uh, in the Passion, he said, so above all, that would be like, first of all, Constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom. He threw that thing constantly in there. And the righteousness that proceeds from him. So above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. Then all, then all these less important things. Did y'all take note of what he said there? Less important things like eating and drinking and what you wear. He said those are the less important things. He said then all these less important things will be given. Oh, that's different than earn. That's different than inheritance or some investment that you made that paid. He said then all these things, these less important things will be given to you. And then he said abundantly. What if the Bible was true? 
<laughs> what if the word of God was true? What if this is the way it really is and we've been living a parallel life next to it, like two train tracks? One of them's the world and one of them's us and we're just paralleling it till we get over the hill and living exactly like it. It seems like, and this is where I want to go this morning, I'm going to try to finish up today because you can't spend too much money, time talking about money from the pulpit because people think that's all you think about when in fact that's what most everybody thinks about. That's what needs fixing. That's what needs adjusting. But because they don't want you to think they need adjusting. Oh, we got that. We're good. But what if you were good according to a standard that wasn't heaven's? What if we were making A pluses on the wrong test or the wrong document or the wrong challenge? So uh, it seems like to me the Lord's saying here that the Lord does not supply the harvest. But that he supplies the seed. Now, that'd be a different way of looking at prosperity. If you go, well, Lord, send it. And he, he, he's not sending it. Wouldn't that be a disappointment? If we were praying for money, praying for supply, praying for funding, but in faith about it. Oh, Lord, I'm believing you. And it's like that one just went over the Lord. It's like uh, we have to reject that because it's not according to the kingdom. It's according to the world. Wouldn't that be a disappointment to live your whole life on the wrong track? And say, Lord, it, I didn't know. And he said, well, it was in the word. It was right there. And I talked about it more than any other subject in the New Testament. It talks about money. Can you imagine? Not hell, not salvation, not the devil. It's about money. Well, it must be that he's addressing something that has the most issues with the most answers. In other words, he comes at it from every angle because we've come at it from every angle. The love of money is the root of all evil. So faith then, faith discerns or divides between the supply, our paycheck, and the seed. So you get a paycheck or however you do it, but that's basically society. You get it and it all looks the same. It doesn't come in green $20 bills and Red $20 bills, well, that's the seed over here, and this is the eating. We can eat all we want, but we don't touch the... It all looks the same, doesn't it? it does. You write a check out, and who fills in the amount? Who, who writes the $100 at the end of it versus 20 or who... It's me. He, he doesn't say, I don't, don't touch it. We used to say, and I don't know if it's wrong or whatever, but you'd hate to be driving a car or living in a house that had a corner of it or a wheel of it or a fender of it that was the tithe <laughs> and you were driving around on the tithe or going to the bathroom in the in the in the in the heavenly part that, that may not have came out just right but anyway uh thank you pam <laughs> so so just getting some principles here just getting some things that we can ascertain by the word of god just going back and saying what is he saying to me he said, take no thought about what you should eat, what you should drink, what you should put on. Why, Lord? Because if you'll seek first the kingdom, everything you're going after in those seekings will be added to you. Oh, 
Well, I've heard that. Haven't we all heard that? Oh, yeah, we talk about it all the time. Everybody talks about that. Seek ye first the kingdom. But integrating it into our life is a real big leap of faith. And like Melissa said this morning, we, we have been changed by the word, all of us. Now, you couldn't even do what she did this morning in almost every church in America. You could not even say what she said because it would be, it would be so far above. It would so, it'd be offensive to think that. Well, really, God gives you a brain to think, so that's what we're doing is thinking. Galatians chapter 6. You, put, you might put your finger there because we're going to, or not, but I'm, let me, or I can just read to you Galatians chapter 6. That's what we'll do. Galatians chapter 6, I'm going to look in verse 7, and you know this verse. It says, be not deceived. Right there you can tell the Lord is addressing something that has been deceived, that has been misappropriated. Would you all say that when he says that? He doesn't say that when he says, be be kind to one another and be tenderhearted. But here he says, watch this. He said, be not deceived. God is not mocked. The word is literally ridiculed. Like, I heard God's, I heard God does this and says that. Ridicule him. He said, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Then the truth of it, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. The that is what he soweth. That is what he will reap. So he ties the harvest to the seed, doesn't he? Like directly. And he said, don't be deceived. It will not be different than that. It will not be different than that. Be not deceived to think that God's just messing around and he's got a different meaning and all that. It'll, it won't be different than that. Whatever you reap, was based exactly on what you sowed, and it will not be different than that. The Phillips version says this. I read it last week, but it says, don't be under any illusion. You cannot make a fool of God. A man's harvest in life will depend entirely, well, that's a strong word, on what he sows. A man's harvest in life will depend entirely on what he sows. Well, we know in one place that the word talks about that if you don't work, you don't eat. So that means if you do work, you do eat. So there's a certain sowing that we all have where we lay down our life in one dimensions. You know, we make widgets all day. And then on payday at the end of the week or whatever, they cut you a little green piece of paper and it's got a thousand, a thousand on it. And so you lay down your life in one dimension, making widgets, and you pick it up in another dimension. In other words, they don't, they don't load a hundred widgets into your trunk and say, have a great life. They give you money and then you can go to the grocery store or, or send it in for your car payment. So there is a sowing where you lay down your life in one dimension and pick it up in another. And we have that as a default and that's what's called culture. That's what you call uh, take no thought about what you'll eat, what you'll drink and what you'll wear. That is that culture of going and I got to go lay down my life in one dimension. Monday is when I'll do it. And Friday's when I'll quit, and then I'll reload on Monday, and we will go again. And I get three weeks vacation, and I get this, and I get that. It's all about something else in control of our life. We're, we, we are subservient. We are compliant. We are submissive 
to that system. And what we do is we navigate it. If they don't treat us right, we start looking for another job. Or we go in and negotiate for a raise. Or, or whatever. That is the system. And we all know all the aspects of that. You get a promotion, well, you get a corner office, and you get a raise, and you know, all that. It's the system that we all lived by and lived for. What dominated your life more than eight hours a day for five days a week, 40 hours? I'm owned. I lay down my life. I give my life. I submit my life in this dimension. I do whatever they say. For an agreed upon remuneration, a paycheck. And if we're both satisfied, then I keep coming back. If they're not satisfied, they cut me loose. If I'm not satisfied, I cut myself loose. But as soon as I do, I'm looking for another job. I'm looking for another place. That's how it works. And, the, and, and so you go, here's what you go. There's no difference between them and me. I transferred into the kingdom of heaven and his financial system, but I'm doing everything exactly like I did, except I show up with a tithe and an offering. And I'm not saying that's wrong yet, but I'm saying we just added on a condition. Why? Why did we add this condition of tithes and offerings like Melissa talked about? Why did we do that? Well, the word says to do it, but why does it say to do it? What is the system that works? We know the system of the world. Lay down your life, pick up your life. Lay down your life, pick up your life. The conditions may change about how you lay down your life. You may go to four tens. You, you may work from home, but it's still laying down your life and the conditions of them Picking, uh, letting you pick up your life may change, but it's all the same system, isn't it? So he says, don't be under any illusion. You cannot make a fool of God. This is how it is. A man's harvest in life will it in, depend entirely on what he sows. So it, back to Matthew chapter six, he says, his pleasure is in the harvest. His provision is in the harvest. So there's no begging. There's no asking God to bail us out. This, this is where it gets just a little bit. We don't ask God to bail us out. We know that God is not mocked. Remember, it's not different than whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. So if we want more, if our faith demands more, and it does, it does. Then we should know that the harvest is in the seed. And it won't be different than that. In other words, it's not an extracurricular. It's not an addendum to the Christian life. Yeah, I'm a strong Christian and I give. It's, it, it, is, it is the life. Remember manna? God demoed it back then. He said, it doesn't matter. Every day, every day, every day, we're going to have manna. I'm going to bring you a harvest for you being obedient to me to come into this land. I'm going to get you through and there'll be a manna supply every single day. He was faithful for 40 years. The only time he quit is when it was time to change systems and go into the land of Canaan. So the new covenant, the new covenant, that was old covenant, but the new covenant is the same and better. 
The same and better. The same and better. There was manna then. Lord, could we have Fruit Loops on Thursday? <laughs> could we have T-Bone on Friday? Oh, Lord. A hot dog would be so much fun. Pizza? In my dreams. Hallelujah. No, it's manna. It was, it is, and it will be. And it won't change from that. So the new covenant is whatever Jesus paid for. Manna is what the blood of bulls and goats paid for, but Jesus is a better savior, better promises based on better blood. And we can amp up, but the system is the same. The harvest is in the seed. Turn with me, if you would, to Mark chapter four. Now I'm in the business of persuasion. What we're doing this morning and every time that somebody stands in front of you up here at this pulpit or any time across the kitchen table, understand they're endeavoring to persuade you. And if it's God word, they're endeavoring you, endeavoring to persuade you to come up higher. Come up higher. Say it with me. Come up higher. All of this. This I, I, we're not a telephone salesman or a. Uh, whatever. This is, this is for all of us to come up higher in the kingdom to our rightful place. And we all, we all want people to have the rightful place. In Mark chapter 4, in verse 20, let's go to the end of the story. This story uh, uh, begins in verse 3, where it says, The sower went out to sow. In verse 20, the end of the story is, And these are they which are sown on good ground, sown on good ground. These are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit. Some 30, some 60, and some 100 fold. So he's been talking about three other kinds of soil. This is the good soil, but he's been talking about soils that will not, that steal from the potential of the seed. The seed has got a potential of what? A hundred fold. Is that right? Is that what he said? Some 60, some 100 fold? That's the potential or the capacity of the seed. But if you go in those verses before, he'll talk about the wayside hindered the potential of the seed. So sometimes we might be getting mixed up that God just sent wayside harvest when in fact he gave the seed for the 100 fold, but we let something in. The wayside uh, ground, it said it fell on the wayside and the birds came and ate it up. So what was that? Well, it was someone that didn't value the seed. Someone that didn't believe. They mocked God and said, ah, it's not that way. I can tell you I can do good. I'm a businessman. I've got, a, uh, uh, I got connections. And, and that thing about, you know, your entire harvest is based on what you sow is not true. I can beat that system. And so they, they relegate the, the worth of the word and the worth of the seed to very little value. And the devil, the birds, gobble it up. And they never see it, even though it was in their life. Uh, then the stony ground is talking about someone that's handling the seed, but they don't guard the seed. And stones or rocky ground hinder the harvest of the seed. It's there. When I was a cotton farmer, we, we had cotton strippers that would go in and, 
and get on both sides of the stalks of cotton and, and lift it up and strip it from the stalk. And you wanted to get down as far as you could because there was cotton that was down on the bottom limbs. But if you were in rocky ground, you also knew you were going to have to stop your machine and get down and find the rock and kick out the rock and get a crowbar on the rock and get the rock out before you could go. So all of us would say, you know, it's not that much cotton. We'll ride up a little bit. Well, that's what they did. They had stony ground and you have a limited harvest uh, on that. Uh, they didn't. They the stony ground is when people little value the seed and they don't protect it from enemies. The third kind of ground he talked about was the thorny ground. And I, what we say around here is about people that it takes all of their life to live their life. The thorny ground is where there's so many thorns around them, so many weeds around them, it chokes out their life. It takes all of their life just to go to work and come home and they're whooped. And they're discouraged and they're not happy, but they don't know what to do. So they just sign up on Monday and go back. That's not what the kingdom of God was intended. He said, my yoke is easy. That's right. My burden is light. That's right. And the world system is ruthless. You all have your own story or you know of a story where the employer, the company, the boss or the whatever just was totally immersed in himself, itself, and just kicked you to the curb and had no remorse. And we, we despise those people, but we do also find out there the unbelieving the heathen, the Gentile, the pagan, and they don't care. The, the devil has come to steal, kill, and destroy, and he uses whoever he can. So they lose, these, these people in the thorny ground, they lose their seed. It's, 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 if you have a lot of weeds, the cotton, that's mostly what I understand. You have a lot of weeds, well, the cotton is choked out by the weeds, and the cotton only get this tall. Whereas if you went in there and hoed it out or cultivated it, you know, you'd have, you'd, you'd have, you can't support both on the same moisture and fertilizer and come out. So, uh, there's three grounds that failed, verse 20, verse 20, they failed to, uh, they failed to sow on the good ground, they failed to hear, and they failed to receive. Um. Actually, they failed to hear, they failed to receive, and they failed to nurture what we would call cultivate or, or hoe it out or whatever. They didn't nurture it. They just said, well, I got, it. I got the seed planted. It's on its own. And you got it. Uh, Paul said, uh, I planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. There's a process to that. So they lose the... They lose the value of the seed. Do you all know any Christians? Do you know of your own life? Don't raise your hand, but that said, I planted good seed, but I didn't get much harvest. I certainly can. Yeah, I did. How do you know that? Because the good ground is 30, 60, and 100 fold. What does fold mean? It means times or multiply. Uh, a lot of people that I've listened to say that the hundredfold is not necessarily a hundred, but it's the maximum potential. So we talk about a corn, a corn seed, two years, 800 kernels per year. 
the hundredfold would be 1600 for that. But you wouldn't necessarily expect that from a watermelon or a, a peach. A peach has one seed, doesn't it? So, but anyway, it's the maximum yield. And the Lord wants us to have the maximum yield. What you wear, what you eat, and what you drink is what the heathen do. He said, I've given you Jesus, and he's an upgrade in every area of your life. And so if you're still only having what the heathen do, you're in the wrong system. I've provided the right system, but you're in the wrong system. In verse 21 right here, it says, and he said to them, is a candle. Now let's get this scripture in. Is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed? We would say no. Why would we say no that a candle's brought to be put under a bushel or a bed? It's obvious. It's obvious that it's still dark if you light the candle and put it under a bushel or under a bed. It's still dark. So you completely negate or take away the harvest of the candle. It's, it's not what the candle is made for. And then he said, and not to be set on a candlestick. So he's talking about, what's he talking about? What's verse 21 talking about at the end of chapter four where he's talking about a seed and the 30, the 1600 fold? He's saying the seed is like a candle. The seed is made to bring light. It's bring, made to bring a harvest, just like a candle is made to bring light. But if you put the candle under a bushel, you destroy it. If you don't plant your seed and guard your seed and receive from your seed and harvest your seed, you're putting your candle under a bushel. And we could say amen to that. Verse 22, for there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested. Neither was anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. Ah, it's still dark. You put the candle under the, uh, the, the, the bushel, it's still dark. It's hidden and the fruit of the seed is still hidden. So the benefit of the seed can be hidden or you can bring it out and put it on a candlestick. It's up to me. I've got the candlestick. I've got the bushel. I've got the bed. I've got the candlestick. Where it goes is up to me because God's not in control about that. He said, I, I'm the purpose of the candle to bring light. The purpose of the seed is to bring a harvest. You go, I've always wondered why this verse was like this. And I, the Lord showed me yesterday. So verse 23, he says, if any man have ears to hear, let him hear, let him understand. He said, if you can figure out the candle, you ought to be able to figure out the seed. Oh, well, we know that's important. Well, it's so important that if you don't put the candle in the right spot, you're in the dark. It's no value. The candle has no value until it's in its right place and right function. And the seed has no value unless it's put in the right place, which is to be sown. Verse 24. And he said unto them, okay, here he's still on this subject, isn't he? Take heed what you hear. Be careful what you listen to. Don't listen to people that are worldly, Gentiles, pagan, unbelievers. For with what measure you meet or give out, it shall be measured to you, and unto you that hear shall more be given. For he that hath, hath what? Hath anything. Hath anything. Like Melissa said this morning, if you have wisdom, 
Okay, the principle works for wisdom. If you, if you have understanding, it works. That whatever you have that's good, he said, here's how it works. If you have whatever is good, to him shall be given. And he that hath not from him shall be taken, even that which he hath. The Amplified says, be careful what you're hearing. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear. The measure of thought you give to the truth you hear. The measure of thought you give to the truth you hear. That's pivotal, isn't it? So if you didn't ever read anything or didn't ever listen to anything or you were in a room and, there, and everybody was listening, but you, you were asleep or you were hurting and just wasn't paying attention or you had a kid next to you and you're trying to keep them entertained, whatever the reason is, you didn't hear. He said, it's going to cost you everything. It'll be even worse than if you didn't hear it because he said, even that which he hath shall be taken away. Wow. Well, he goes on there and he said, uh, and more besides will be given to you who hear for to him who has more will be given amplified and from him who has nothing. We were all there at one time. We thought we had something, but we had the wrong stuff. Our candle was under a bushel. Our candle was under the bed. Our seed was not in the ground or our seed was in the stony ground. Or our seed was by the wayside. We, we had seed, but we didn't know what to do with it. So we just gave it no value. And the birds picked it up. Back when you were making big bucks, back when you were young and it was just you and, and you were making it and you were spending it all on you, you had seed to sow. I had seed to sow. But I didn't know it was seed. So I didn't sow it. So my candle was under the bed. And it was dark. He goes on and says, and from him who has nothing, even that which he has will be taken away by force. I don't know what that means. It just means you're not going to have it. Doesn't it? Whatever, however that is, whatever it means, he's pretty sure you're not going to have it. Verse 26, and he said, so is. Now here we are in the seed time and harvest, the 30, the 60, the 100 fold, the wayside, the thorny, the stony, the good ground, 30, 60, 100 fold, and he never breaks stride. He never hesitates. He says in verse 26, so is the kingdom of God. How is the kingdom of God, Lord? As if a man should cast seed into the ground. The kingdom of God is as, is exactly the same, is, is measured by as if a man should cast seed into the ground. Y'all say amen. That's what the Lord said. We're just, we're just flowing here. We're not trying to take this verse and, and put it off by itself. It's in context here of talking about, since verse 3, about seed and the kingdom of heaven, how it works. Everything in the kingdom of heaven, everything works by seed time and harvest. There's nothing, that, there's nothing that's except for that. No, everything. If you sow, if you sow kindness... Here it comes. If, you, if you're lonely, the word says, be nice to a brother and you'll get one. Verse 26. He said, so is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep. So he didn't work. He didn't, he didn't work. His seed is on its own, isn't it? And rise night and day and the seed should spring and grow up. He knoweth not how. So it's an independent system. You can access it. You can go into it 
or you can just let it be there like a candle under a basket. I didn't know that a candle under a basket wouldn't give light. Sure we do. We just didn't know that the seed time was everything. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, and after that the full corn in the ear. But look, verse 29, and when the fruit is brought forth, that means ripe, due season, immediately he putteth in the sickle because what? The harvest is come. Say it with me. The harvest is come. The Lord Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is this. A man plants a seed. It works on its own. You don't have to go in there and, and inject it with DNA or, or put some sort of plant growth on it or anything. He said the seed knows what to do. The seed knows what to do. The seed knows what to do. And it will do what it's supposed to do if it's planted. It has no control over that. But if you plant it, it knows what to do. And then he said the end of it is, is not just, isn't that a pretty little cucumber vine? He said there'll be cucumbers. And you put in the sickle and you harvest it. And that's where everything comes from. The Lord is into the harvest. We are into the seed. Uh, he goes on. I got to go on here. Uh, verse 30. And whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? Did he change subjects? Is this a deviation? Is this a, a, a detour? Or with what comparison shall we compare the kingdom of God? He said, I'm fixing to show you what the kingdom of God, how it works. It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. Have y'all seen a mustard seed? We passed them out one time. I've got a bag of them. They are just little bitty things. But, but, least of all seeds, but when it is sown, something happens when it is sown. Something happens when the seed is sown. Who sows the seed? Somebody. God does not sow the seed. He planted Jesus. And look, look what he got. He got all of us. I hope he still thinks it's a good deal. <laughs> and when it is sown, it groweth up and become greater than all herbs and shooteth out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. He said, this is how the kingdom of God works. You want more? You want increase? You want to live outside of the heathen, the unbeliever, the pagan realm? He said, you got to figure out the seed and the harvest. He said, don't be mocked. It will not be an exception. It won't be if you're extra poor and you live in Africa or the southeast uh, uh, over there where it's poor or whatever, Bangladesh. You go, ah, oh, they, they tell us over there, oh, pastor, don't make us do the tithes and offerings. Don't make us do that because the people are poor. You're mocking God. You're mocking God. You're saying, ah, this is for people that already have. Nope, because if you have not, even that which you have, you'll be struggling all your life. It'll never get better for these poor people if you withhold the seed that has a harvest. You will never change your life. Oh, pastor, please. I mean, we, we've been involved in situations where they just begged us. Please don't, don't punish it. Don't withhold money. Don't, don't threaten me because the people are poor. They make $70 a month, I think is what he said. And stuff costs pretty much what it costs here. 
a lot of it. Labor is cheap, but the commodities are the same. He said, please, pastor, do not make it. Do not. He said, God is, you're mocking God. You're saying God doesn't play the same. You're saying it's for people. You're, you're saying it's an American gospel. And we like, oh, American version. It's not an American version. It's the kingdom of God version. And so what works here will always work there. But if I think I'm an American, and by the way, what made you an American? What made you so special that God birthed you, sent a spirit being, which was you, which was me, and put you in a body, put you in uh, the biological body that your parents formed for you through biological action, and, 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 and it came together, and there you are. He sends a spirit into, you, into your body. And then you don't even know where you woke up. You, they, they patted you on the back. You coughed or whatever that does. And uh, they said, it's a boy or a girl. Contrary to what you may have heard, that's what it was. And uh, what makes you an American? Why, why aren't you born in Bangladesh uh, or Nigeria? Or I don't want to disparage any countries, but because there's poor here too. But how come? Well, I think, I believe, to whom much is given, much is required. So just because we don't have to go out and, and uh, do without, some of the people in, uh, in uh, the African church don't eat every day. They don't eat every day. And we, when we sent $400 uh, before Christmas, they bought big, big bags of rice and gave it a, into the village. It was a wonderful thing. It's exactly what they should have done. But a lot of people don't eat there every day. So then when you turn around and ask them, we need you to tithe, we need you to bring an offering, which is still a percentage, isn't it? I mean, if you only make 70, you just bring seven. If you make 700, you bring 70, as, as we all do. It's hard for those people. So that tells me, that tells you, we're not living on faith necessarily. We're just living that we've got an overflow. We can budget out of $1,000 a month or $3,000 a month. We can budget enough to, to bring our tithe in and still have plenty to eat and, and fuel to put in the car and all that. Whereas there's not that overflow. But he said, I'm not mocked. That's how it works. So that means how, that's how it works here. That's how it works right now. In Matthew 25... Uh, I got him to find me a scripture this morning. I, Pam found it for me. I didn't know where it was. But I, I'm going to read it out of Exodus chapter. I'm giving you principles for the kingdom this morning. Do with it what you will. Let it be planted or just blow it off and say that seed's not worthy. I don't want to change it. Then you'd be just like people in Africa and Southeast Asia and that stuff that said... We're too poor to give. We're too poor to plant a seed. You and I would become those people if we say, I got plenty. I don't need to sow because I got plenty. Even that which he hath will be taken away. So it's not like you can be in a neutral position. Well, I, I could give or I could not give. No, 
Even that which you have will be taken away. I wrote down that my future is in my capacity. If you believe that, point to yourself and say it with me, first person. My future is in my capacity. In other words, you can only do so much. Like Melissa talked about this morning about things being progressive. Revelation is progressive. You can't have the end of, of a revelation until you understand and take in the beginning. So giving is a revelation. It's a revelation in other countries, but it could be that it was a revelation here in the American church that businessmen were bringing big amounts of money into the church because they had big and vast amounts of money that they'd made that if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. They were laying down their life in one dimension and picking it up another, and they were just giving it out of some other thing, but it wasn't a seed. It wasn't a seed that said, I'm looking for the harvest. So if it's in your capacity that, that uh, how much you can hold and come back, how much can you hold and take to some place and come back and get another? That is your capacity. In Exodus, it says in verse uh, uh, in chapter 23, don't go there. I, I will. But I'd mark it someday. I'm going to do it. This is what they said when they came out of Egypt. By little and little, I will drive them out. Drive what out? The hornets. There are hornets in the land. Is that right? Uh, gosh, I should have read this before. There was hornets. Not, no, this isn't hornets. This is, the, this is the people. Ah, there it is. It's the Canaanites. It's the Perizzites. It's the Hittites. It's all the Amites. And the Lord said, uh, I could drive them all out at once. But he said, by little and little, I will drive them out from before thee. Look, look, look. Until thou be increased and inherit the land. So it's talking about our capacity. And we looked at that scripture in Corinthians last week that says the Lord will not allow more to be put on you. It's talking about your capacity. So if I don't stretch in wisdom, in revelation, in giving, if I don't stretch, I will remain the same size. And that's all I'll be entrusted with. That's all I can carry. You go, oh, I'm believing God for a big ministry. Well, how's that going? Well, he's just going to drop it on me. Oh, no, that's not how it works. You have to increase to inherit. We have to enlarge in order to hold because he will not put more on you until you can hold it. We have to hold who we are in us. We have to give what we give in us. And it won't be more than that. You won't give more than your capacity. You'll, you may, one time you may sow $1,000 and say, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. Oh, look at this. Well, that was beyond your capacity, wasn't it? You weren't in faith about it. You weren't in agreement with it. Y'all got quiet on me. Well, in Matthew 25, y'all can't, we, this is where we were last week when I said I can't finish. <laughs> I must have added something. I am leaving the Haggai scripture out. I told you I was going to bring Matthew 25, 14 says for the kingdom of heaven. Here we are, the kingdom of heaven. How is it, Lord? It's as a man traveling into a far country. He called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. How much did he deliver according to their capacity? And unto one he gave five to another two to another one to every man according to his several ability, his capacity, his 
and straightway took his journey. That's exactly what's going on in yours and my life right now. If you don't stretch, if you don't walk on the, uh, the water, if you don't speak to the mountain, if you don't tell the squall line to go, then you are little. And that's all you can do is what little can do. You go, I'm waiting for a more convenient time when I feel it, when I'm feeling a little oaty. No, it won't get better. It will not do better. It's right now. So well, I, I'm waiting until I have more money to give a big seed and stretch out there and say, I, I'm, a, I'm a $100 man or I'm a $500 man or whatever, whatever that would stretch you. If you have it in an overflow, it's not a stretch. It doesn't enlarge you if you've got it or, you know, if it's just laying around. Am I, am I doing this right? So when this man came back, and we'll, we'll just quit with that. The man came back. He did, he'd already given them the seed. Listen, listen to the picture. He gave them the seed according to their capacity, and therefore he expected more out of the five-talent man than he did the one-talent man. But the five-talent man, who was empowered to plant it, he, he that hath, to him much will be given. So he hath, he had a, if the word is true, the master was correct. He gave five talents to the man who was five talents. But he only gave two to the next guy. Now the one, the one talent guy, he messed up because he had the capacity to bring back one. He would have been just as well honored as the man that brought back five more, ten, as the man and the man that would have brought back four. But he didn't bring back any. And he was scourged. God is not mocked. A man's harvest in life depends entirely upon what he sows. We are, or we have been, that number one talent. We go, ah, that, that loser, that loser. Why didn't he give what he had the capacity for? Whew, that's me. That's you. That's us. I mean, I'm not personally, but I'm saying we've all been there. I know we have. We've all drawn back and said, hey, I hadn't had a savings in a long time, and it'd sure be good to have a, a rainy day fund, and I'd sure like to have some laid by because the last time was tough when I didn't have any, and it came a surprise and emergency, and so, you know, I, I, need to, I need to wait. Well, then what you're waiting for is just to have 100 more, but when you get to 100, guess what? Well, you know, 200 would even be better, and suddenly you haven't give. And your capacity goes from five to two to one. Because even that which you think you have is taken away. Now, just believe the word. I mean, I know this is out there. I know this is out there. I know this isn't like ABC. But he who has ears to hear, we're going to say it to everybody and let whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Somebody will catch here. Somebody will catch on fire right here and say, I see it. And I'm going to change my life today. Not everybody. Like, I don't believe that. He's just trying to get money. That'd be a low blow for somebody like me. So he said, uh, the Lord's interested in the harvest. He brings the harvest. Now, 2 Corinthians 9.10. Let me just read it. Because just, I just got 30 minutes. <laughs> uh, 2 Corinthians 9.10. This is pivotal. Or I wouldn't be... 
parked here, and I got to finish today. But y'all like this. <laughs> okay, that was close. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Here's the verse. Here is the verse. Verse nine and ten. Verse ten. Second Corinthians nine ten. Now that he that ministered seed to the sower. He that ministereth seed to the sower gives seed to the sower. Both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. The New Living says, listen to this. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. So he gives me seed and then he watches over the harvest. If I put it in good ground, if I am good ground, and it says, in the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. If I do my part, he's already doing his part. I sow the seed. Well, of course, faith is attached to that. God's always going to expect everything in faith, isn't he? So it takes faith to sow the seed. We don't say, God, we need you to sow the seed. He, he sowed Jesus. That was his faith. <laughs> and he, he got us. But now for harvest, for wisdom, for relationships, for understanding, for money, I sow the seed. Where is the seed? I don't have any seed. Sure you do, because he gives seed to the sower. If you don't have seed genuinely, then you really aren't a sower. Because he says, I'll do it. And he's right, and we're wrong. There's seed. I don't have any big seed. Oh, no, the one talent man didn't have big seed, but the Lord expected him to plant his seed. He hadn't been practicing like the two and the five man, but he had a seed, and I've got a seed. Say, I've got a seed. Yes, ma'am, yes, sir, we have a seed. What would be heaven's chief attribute if we were going to sit around and say, what's the, what does God like to be the most? Generous. Generous. If you can be anything in your life, if you want to start somewhere, well, I wish I was kinder and I wish I was smarter and I wish I was more articulate and I wish I was this and that and this. Nope, 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 and nope. Be generous. Everything is keyed off of generous. The Bible says that he loves a cheerful giver. He loves us when we're cheerful. I mean, he, I don't know what that means, but sure enough, he likes us. That's for sure. He likes us to be generous because he can prove that he's generous. The harvest is in the seed. So I would stretch. I'm stretching. When I went in, came into this new year, and I'm not telling you this for any reason. I'm certainly not tooting my horn, but I'm just saying I determined to be more generous. And so I upped my giving, my default giving. I'm like you. I tithe, and then I give an offering in every service. That's just what we do. We, don't, we take the scriptures where it talks about uh, always come in with your hand full when you come to the Lord. And so I decided to give more. 
because I want more. I, a paymaster, a paymaster, a Romans 12 paymaster is giving all the time. They are generous. Debbie always said, and you may say this is so simple, why would she? Hold things loosely. Hold the word tightly. So we, things don't matter because they're everywhere. And once you understand and you believe, and the Lord had us do this last year, there's plenty more where that came from. That means generous. Plenty more where that came from. It's like, ah, oh, I gave all my money. Ah, oh, there's plenty more. And it's coming. Because the kingdom of heaven is seed time and harvest. So if you plan it, it's impossible. Even the rich young ruler, the Lord asked him to give all. And he went away sad because he had many things. But Proverbs says, if you give to the, if you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord and he repays. So that man, there was no way that he was going to be poor. He wasn't even going to be without. Jesus was saying, but do a transaction in between. You'll have it again, but you need to make the transaction. You need to release this money to the poor so that you can connect with God. And so he did. So we should stretch. Um, now, we're not receiving an offering. But this is not one of those things where I preach hellfire and brimstone and, and then ask if you want to miss hell and, and come down here and get saved. This is not that. This is, it's got to be a quality of life decision on all of us. And River Church is supplied. So if you don't, whatever, the Lord will because we're sowing seed. So we don't have to. We don't have to beg. We don't have to. Gosh, it's six minutes after 12. Take it out of my next week. How about that? Isn't Jesus wonderful? His yoke really is easy. And his burden really is life. He really is good and good and good. And everything, everything in his life is for yours and my good. He has no other focus. He has no other Motive. He has no other agenda except to bless his children. He's invested everything he had in the Lord Jesus. He put him to get us. So what was the word saying in Romans? How will how would he how will he not also freely give us all things? What if? I don't know if I can pull that off or not. But just what what if? What if you could give your kids, you could send them to school and just give them a credit card and say, I've already paid the tuition. I've already made, I've already bought your car. I already bought your books. But you'll need pizza on Saturday night and you'll want to go to a show on Monday or whatever. Here's a credit card and I'll take care of it. The bill will come to me and I'll take care of it every month. Now that's a recipe for abuse, of course. But it doesn't have to be that way. What if, what if God was that good? What, what if he just said, I, I, I'll pay this every month and I'll take care of everything. Just stay, just stay close. Just call in. Just check in with me and I'll take care of it. Seek first the kingdom and all these things that you need. It'll be a done deal. How, what if God was at least that good? Why, I've known people that were that good. So it'd be a shame to say, well, but God's not. 
So Lord, we thank you right now for helping us through this life. We don't want to just survive it or cope with it, but you said we should dominate it. So we take these keys, Lord, and we dominate life. Not just for us, but for your kingdom and for your glory. I dominate life for your glory to show the world that Jesus is really their good savior. So thank you, Lord, for keeping your word towards us. And we'll be looking for seed to sow and a harvest to reap. In Jesus' name, everybody who agreed said, Amen. Amen. All right.